have won it in overtime. Michigan wins by a score of 27 to 24. And off his box, a box of chocolates Would I know To stay away oh, I said And off his box, a box of chocolates Would I eat Them anyway Cause Every time I have half a mind to leave you Babe, that means I have Half a mind to stay it's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor. Good evening. This is Mike. And Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and culture and celebration and staying alive when it's really, really, really cold. And what better way to stay alive than with food, eating as much food as possible. We're also going to celebrate the fact that, well, it's nine days into the new year, but the old new year isn't new yet. You know what I'm saying? You do? You don't? Well, I'll explain in just a moment, but in the meantime... I'm just proud to have set a personal best of walking to work when it was 13 below zero and 35 below zero wind chill the other day. And I'll tell you, packing on those pounds is a necessity at this time of year. And the coasters in 1961 must have been experiencing the very same thing because I think they were particularly hungry, spelled with an O.
That's Hongry spelled with an O, H-O-N-G-R-Y. That was the Coasters. That's from 1961 after their hit years, so they must have definitely been hungry for a hit, but uh, sounding good to me, and they're just tired of those missed meal cramps, and that's rough. So hopefully you're getting some food very soon. Hopefully this is food for thought if you're on the way to getting food. But in the meantime, some more comfort food for you on Pandora's Lunchbox. Some donut news. Donut make you want to find out more about that. I got an even worse pun coming up. That was mine. I got a worse one that I didn't come up with. There's this place called Voodoo Donut. Maybe you've heard of it. It's in Portland. It's kind of an institution. And I think that was the place that had the Pepto-Bismol flavored donut. And they actually had to take it off the menu because there were some health complaints or something. But they're known for uh, unusual donut flavors. And uh, they're also starting a record label. Yes, this is from the Oregonian... It says here, seven things to know about Voodoo Donuts record label. Well, maybe one or two, a couple of morsels of that. The Portland Institution knows a thing or two about visionary combinations, especially of the maple bacon variety, but music is not an unlikely ingredient for the pastry brand. Co-founder Tress Shannon helped run the influential X-Ray Cafe Club in the 90s. And Voodoo's opening, as their label press release reminds us, found it smooshed between Burbati's Pan and the Paris Theater. So... Donuts have been a pretty good gig for them, so why start a record label? Well, here's the deal. Voodoo will be releasing 7-inch vinyl singles, though albums may come down the line. The plan is to release one a month in 2014 in editions of 1,000, with a bonus making it a baker's dozen. Also, the label's A&R desk has a heavy ear toward donut-related content, Artists looking to cash in should consider going full pastry on their next demo, it says here. We would like one side of the single to be at least peripherally related to donuts, Voodoo explains. The song on the other side of the single can be anything you want, except about cupcakes. Also, Voodoo is not putting a limit on its genre options, including spoken word. Though like simple carbohydrates, the company has an affinity for rock music. What? Uh, Its first two releases are by the Deep Fried Boogie Band, featuring a member of Quasi, and the Donut Boys. There's no Voodoo Studio yet, so artists should bake up their new tunes themselves. Voodoo will, however, press the vinyl, pay royalties, and give artists 100 of the 1,000 copy runs to sell or share. Voodoo will be celebrating with a double record release show at the Northwest Portland Bar, The Matador, on January 30th at 10 p.m. The show is free and there will probably be donuts. This is all about Voodoo Donut, a real live donut place starting a record label. What if you went the other way around, though? Like in Detroit, this is this is in the works here. The legendary Jay Dilla, the legendary hip-hop producer from Detroit's east side, sadly passed away several years ago in 2006. He worked with a lot of acts like Busta Rhymes, Kanye West, Common, A Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul. I mean, you know, serious. Well, the news is that Maureen Yancey, Dilla's mother, says that there will be something called Dilla's Donuts, sorry, Dilla's Delights opening in Detroit. It will be a coffee and donut place in Detroit, and their hope is to open it next month. This article here I'm reading from Eric Lacey of MLive. And it says here, Maureen Yancey says, I actually had my doubts based on a couple of concoctions, and so I tasted some of them, and they were magnificent. She had one here she tried that was actually a bacon and cheese donut. No, 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 not bacon and cheese. That actually sounds really good, but it was even more bizarre. I believe it was broccoli. Yes, broccoli and cheese. Wow. So there's also going to be a black bottom blueberry and fantastic fritter. 
She said, I bit down and the broccoli was so good. So, wow, in a donut. And it says that it's going to be, these donuts are not going to be so heavy. They're going to be more, be more of a light and fluffy texture. And Dilla's Delights, serving coffee and donuts, is scheduled to open at 242 John R. in Detroit sometime next month. Hopefully, they say, by the end of next month. So, donuts into music, music into donuts. Records are round. Donuts are round, and they all have holes in the middle. I don't know where we can go from there, but but a Velveeta shortage. According to the Associated Press, there may be a cheese shortage. Kraft Foods says some customers may not be able to find its Velveeta cheese over the next few months. Company representative Jody Moore did not give any reasons for the apparent shortage, saying only that they happen from time to time, given, quote, the nature of manufacturing, unquote. A friend of mine suggests that it could be a publicity stunt, in which case I'm now playing into that. Uh-oh. But... Let's let's remedy that with with a little bit of musical sludge because there is sludge in the streets or there will be pretty soon with uh, the snow that's about to melt and the rain and the freezing rain that's in the forecast looks really delightful. This is a band that calls himself uh, Sludgeabilly appropriately enough. This is Deja Voodoo from the Canada. This is recorded in 1985. This is Cheese and Crackers. Anyone? Yeah, the doctor said, me, sir, just a thing for you. She said, she said, 
Well, that was self-explanatory. That was Deja Voodoo and Cheese and Crackers. Mmm, from their album Too Cool to Live, Too Smart to Die. Yeah, it's Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food and culture and celebrations. Now, we've already had Auld Lang Syne, but what about Old New Year? What? Okay, so, you know, the official quote-unquote New Year was January 1st, but in some parts of the world they still commemorate the Old New Year. It's coming up actually on the 14th. The New Year on January 14th. What does that mean? The Old Year or the Orthodox New Year is an informal traditional Orthodox holiday celebrated as the start of the New Year by the Julian calendar. Now, the Gregorian calendar, under the Gregorian calendar, New Year is January 1st. But um, under the Julian calendar, it's the 14th, and there are still parts of the world where that is celebrated. In fact, I spoke to a friend of mine who is from Yakutsk, Russia, northern Russia, who says that it is still informally celebrated, that sometimes she would celebrate it herself if it fell on the weekend. It's not usually as festive as the January 1st holiday, but it is another reason to party. So that sounds good. People eat traditional holiday food, and she says one very popular item of food was the Olivier Salad. Now, I haven't actually asked for the pronunciation. It looks like the last name, Laurence Olivier, Olivier Salad. I'm going to hope that if I pronounce it that way, that it is correct. Now, what is Olivier Salad? It's a traditional salad in Russian cuisine, but it's also popular in many European countries, India, Iran, Pakistan, Israel, and also in countries like Argentina and Uruguay. In modern recipes, it's usually made with diced boiled potatoes, vegetables, eggs, diced boiled chicken, or sometimes ham, and dressed with mayonnaise. Worldwide, the dish is commonly referred to as Russian salad. Now, this is comfort food, and this is also very good news for these chilly times. And the original version of the salad, this is a good story, actually. It was invented in the 1860s by a Belgian fellow named Lucien Olivier, the chief of the Hermitage, one of Moscow's most celebrated restaurants. His salad quickly became immensely popular with regulars and became the restaurant's signature dish didn't start out the way it ended up now, though. The exact recipe was a jealously guarded secret, says Wikipedia, but it's known that the salad contained grouse, veal tongue, mm, caviar, lettuce, crayfish tails, capers, and smoked duck. Although it is possible the recipe did vary seasonally. The original Olivier dressing was a type of mayonnaise made with French wine vinegar, mustard, and Provençal olive oil. At the turn of the 20th century, though, One of Olivier's sous chefs, Ivan Ivanov, attempted to steal the recipe. While preparing the dressing one evening in solitude, as was his custom, Olivier was suddenly called away on some emergency. Uh Uh-oh. Taking advantage of the opportunity, he sneaked into Olivier's private kitchen. Private kitchen? That sounded like pirate kitchen. Wouldn't that be appropriate? He took an opportunity to look at the food, which allowed him to make reasonable assumptions about the recipe of Oliver's Olivier's famed dressing. He then left his employment and went to work as a chef for Moskva, says here a somewhat inferior restaurant, and he began to serve a suspiciously similar salad under the name Capital Salad. It was reported by the gourmands of the time, however, that the dressing on this salad was of a lower quality than Olivier's, meaning that it was missing something. Later, Ivan Ivanov sold the recipe for the salad to various publishing houses, which further contributed to its popularization. Then the original Hermitage restaurant closed in in 1905, and the Olivier family subsequently departed Russia, and the salad could now be referred to as Olivier. One of the first printed recipes for the Olivier salad appeared in 1894, calling for half a hazel grouse, 
which is an important distinction, two potatoes, one small cucumber, three to four lettuce leaves, three large crawfish tails, one quarter cup cubed aspic, one teaspoon of capers, three to five olives, and one and a half tablespoon Provencal dressing. Yes, as often happens with gourmet recipes, which become popular, the ingredients that were rare and expensive and seasonal or difficult to prepare were gradually replaced with cheaper and more readily available foods. And so we now have the Olivier salad that has delicious stuff like boiled potatoes, vegetables, eggs, chicken, and mayonnaise, sometimes with ham in there. So happy old New Year to you coming up on the 14th. I just wanted to get that celebration for you in there early. Now, Old New Year apparently gets around because I have a collection called the Old Time Banjo Festival, Appalachian music and other banjo music on Rounder Records. And there is a tune called, well, it's a medley, Snowing Mo- Snowy Morning and the Old New Year by Arnie Naiman. It goes a little something like this. So, happy Old New Year on banjo.
There you go. That's Arnie Naiman, actually uh, from Toronto there. And that was a medley by the name of Snowy Morning, the Old New Year. It could very well be possible that in Michigan, the Old New Year of January 14th will be a snowy morning. I I think it may be very possible. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. Arwolf has just entered, getting ready to help us to face that music there. Actually, to face it here. But um, some more information for you. This is from the Huffington Post. It says here in the Huffington Post, this was uh, earlier this week, it says chicken has become more popular than beef in the U.S. for the first time in 100 years. This is according to uh, Priceonomics, which I often consult for important matters in my life. It says beef consumption has been declining for the past decade as consumers become more health conscious and choose leaner meats and vegetarian options. Red meat has been linked to heart disease and diabetes, and people perceive chicken, a white meat, to be a healthier option. Hmm. The shift toward healthier dietary habits is only one piece of the puzzle. Beef prices have also been rising. And uh, broiler chickens were becoming cheaper, according to Beef Magazine. This is all very, very complicated, with Beef Magazine talking about chickens and chickens talking about beef, dogs and cats living together. One cause of the price hike is that the supply has decreased as a result of higher corn costs. While chicken feed consists of a variety of grains, corn, and soybean meal, corn has become the dominant feed for cattle. According to the USDA, January 1st, 2013, why that was the new year last year, marked the lowest January 1st inventory of all cattle and calves since the 88.1 million on hand in 1952. And isn't it good to have 88.1 million cattle on hand just in case? Especially when you have a song about chicken that isn't really a song about chicken. This is Chicken.
Thank you, Sly and the Family Stone. Possibly their biggest hit with chicken in the name. That was chicken, hence the name chicken. Now, here are some news items for you to wrap things up on Pandora's Lunchbox. It's five minutes to seven, time for Face the Music in just a few minutes. But in the meantime, this story from NBC News, actually from late December, a South Carolina woman was held on a domestic abuse charge for allegedly stabbing her common-law husband with a decorative ceramic squirrel when he came home late on Christmas Eve without any beer. Okay, and this is from the Associated Press more recently. Police in Connecticut say they're looking for a man who smashed his vehicle into a gas station in Newington, Newington, swiped a banana from the shelf, and ate it before leaving early Wednesday morning. Nothing else was taken. See if you can glean the meanings in these stories, and maybe we can have a a conference later on. We can break up into discussion groups. Now, this has nothing to do with food, but... Yesterday would have been Elvis Presley's 79th birthday. Speaking of Elvis, this news from the Columbus Zoo. Officials at the Columbus Zoo, says the Associated Press, say its two female polar bears are not pregnant, confirming the prediction of a specially trained beagle that uses a smell test to detect polar bear pregnancies. Staff at the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium had monitored the bears in special dens in case the prediction by the dog named Elvis was wrong. Confirming pregnancies in the massive bears is difficult, I can imagine. So the beagles, the beagle is trained to sniff for proteins that scientists say are found only from pregnant polar bears. It turns out his predictions for the Columbus bears, Anana and Aurora, were in fact correct, and they are not pregnant. This is terribly sad news. But Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and about sadness and about truth, and so I hope all of these things will come together for you in a way that you find edifying and also learnifying. So we've learned about the cheese shortage, the popularity of chicken over beef. We've learned many things today. I hope you have a happy old new year on January 14th, that you will celebrate quietly with your friends and eat some delicious Olivier salad. I want some now. But Pandora's Lunchbox will be here again next Thursday at 6.30 p.m. In the meantime, let's take a moment to celebrate Elvis the Beagle and Elvis the original Elvis, who is also named Elvis. Here's perhaps my favorite Elvis song about snow ice cream. Here it is for you right now. Elvis Presley, Tutti Fruity. Thank you for listening. I've been Mike for a half hour or so. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox. Keep listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and Arbor will help you to face the music in mere moments. Tutti Fruity, oh Rudy.
tumble up, bam, boom. I got a gal named Daisy. She almost drive me crazy. I got a gal named Daisy. She almost drive me crazy. She knows how to love me, yes, indeed. A boy, you don't know what she do to me. Thank you, Little Richard, for writing it. This is 7 o'clock. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Uh, my name is Arwolf. It's time for Face the Music. I've got some carefully selected music. These old recordings were chosen uh, because of their caloric content. They're hot. But also, I just thought they might help you to feel better. We're here to alleviate suffering. It's time to Face the Music. This is Alonzo Yancey brother of Jimmy Yancey, at the piano in 1943 with Everybody's Rag. This is Everybody's. <laughs> 